trying to figure out what it's all about. Existentialist, am I worth anything or just a scout? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Spending time all alone, sending my songs to the phone, dreaming of a better home. We want guess I'm trying to hone this craft, witchcraft. I hope the blue hearts let this last. That was a great sounds of Watson with Outside on WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven. Myself, Prestige, with my partner in crime, Long Island Raid, Elm City Maid, EZ Blues is in the building. Easy Blues, you're better with introductions more than me. Who do we have with us today on Behind the Brand? Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to truly, truly come on a journey with us today. Today, we are sitting with someone who you can consider a jack of all trades, someone who is an artist in the fullest extent of the word. This is not just a musician. This is not just an actor. This is not just someone in the visual arts medium. This is someone who has sits and evolves as art continues to move forward. One of the most incredible things that he has pushing forward right now is he is on the forefront of the AI conversation because he's in the art form of making the AI itself. And I think that is absolutely amazing. So I want you to put your hands together. Not if you're driving. If you're, if you're driving, please keep your hands at 10 and 2. We don't need any accidents. But mentally, put your hands together for the amazing, the phenomenal, the absolutely awesome Daryl Dawson. Welcome to the show, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Of course. Of course. Now, yes, for, for you know the people playing the home game, um, you are you are a New Havenite, and yep. mm -hmm. um, this is where your journey and your artistic journey started. What was it like? Is this just something who you've been your whole life, or is this something you evolved into? Yeah, I like to say it was something, someone I've been my whole life. Um, I think a lot of times we don't realize who we are until we get put in a, a certain situation where we have to express. So I guess circumstances and situations will make who you really are come out. Um, I played basketball all my life until high school. I didn't ever consider being on a stage, but I always acted a fool, my mom would say, right? You know, mm -hmm. I cracked jokes in school and always had something witty and quick to say in class and things like that. But I played basketball um, up until freshman year, um, and that's what I thought I was going to do. I played basketball until 10th grade as well for cross. Co-op was the high school I went to. We didn't have a sports team, so we had, I had to choose whether I was going to play for Hill House or Cross. I tried out mm -hmm. for Cross. I made the team. We were state champions two years in a row. But then I left and gave up to pursue being on stage full time. Mm. It, it's, it's really interesting because you see th this seems to be a common thread um, with, with a lot of people where, you know, you start off with the actual um, discipline. Of, of an athlete because that's the thing when you're a creative it's sometimes difficult i don't know to do things because your mind is wandering uh, you know but when you can go at it with the discipline of an athlete where you get up and you make sure you're going through your reps um we see a much broader um turnabout this is something i've only really been noticing coming out of the the new haven scene more than anything whether it be jordan edward or, or yourself um do you think that is part of the culture that is New Haven or is that just what's in ground in certain people who went to certain schools? I won't be able to speak on behalf of all of New Haven. I think it mm -hmm. just comes from individual perspectives, depending on who you're around, you know, who's influencing you, you know, your family and close friends and things like that. Um, as far as New Haven itself, I think New Haven is just, um, you know, a small city with a big heart that has a lot of facets to it. And, you know, you got all different types of people coming out of New Haven, you know, Chad Dawson, my cousin being one, you know, becoming light heavyweight champion. You got um, musicians, you got all types of people that came from New Haven and end up doing greater and bigger things. So it just depends on who's influencing you and also the discipline that you may have. And I would agree that uh, sports did help me attain a certain level of discipline with uh, certain things in my life, lifestyle I was trying to go for, things like that. No, that that's awesome. And I, I want to thank you really for, for sharing that. because I think it's important. And also, 
I really, you know, a lot of people here like New Haven or just Connecticut in, in uh, at all, and you're not going to think phenomenal art uh, scene. You're not going to think amazing music. You're not going to think, you know, great acting because we're sandwiched in between two large markets. We have the Boston market, not the, not the food, the actual <laughs> art market. And then we have New York City. Um, so what is it like growing up in that, you know, middle child of, of music scenes, you know, and uh, how have you been able to flourish in that scene? It's a great question. Um, I was always pulled more towards New York. Uh, I never really spent a lot of time in uh, Boston or Mass. I actually went to I went to school in Mass. I went to I will I went to Job Corps. Uh, mm -hmm. I dropped out of high school, went to Job Corps. I was in Holyoke, and then I went to, I mean, uh, Chicopee. Then I went to Holyoke Community College. But that was the extent of what I knew about Mass. So a lot of my pullings was towards New York City. Um, but believe it or not, I didn't really get a really good break in the industry and start working with major brands until I lived in Philadelphia. So Philadelphia was a was where I, I was able to actually kick the door down. And, um, you know, I did my first professional photo shoot. Um, I worked, I did a commercial for Cutstown University. I did background work for Mountain Dew. I was a stagehand for TLC, not the group, but the learning channel. And um, <laughs> yeah, so, so that Philadelphia was actually where I was able to actually make a bigger mark for myself, surprisingly. Well, see, I, I love I love how you brought you brought that up. I was gonna save it for the next segment, but since 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 we've already gotten here organically, you have this incredible ability through your career and, and just kind of going through the bio and, and and you know doing a little bit of research in you. Um, you are a sponge. You will walk into a situation and be like, okay, you need me to sweep floors. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna sweep this floor, but while I'm sweeping this floor, I'm also gonna make sure I get can go and grab and get you guys coffee. And if that's gonna move me into the next situation, I'm gonna network myself into being a background actor, into you know, all these different things. How important is that in the entertainment industry? Because I think a lot of people, you know, as as the dude who played uh uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, the original one, not Ewan McGregor, uh, once said, there's no small actors, there's only small parts. How, how have you been able to understand you keep your ego here lower because you want to be higher? That's a great question. Um, I think what comes with that is just the ability to know that you're not, you're not limiting yourself and you just... You know, if whatever your bigger goal is, if you got to take smaller steps to get to the bigger goal, that's just what you do. I think that's just something that comes naturally to me. But that's something I always advise other people on is, you know, if you really want to be in a certain field, but whatever you're doing is not getting the attention you want, you may want to try a different avenue to get there. Like you said, if if you want to work for a radio station, but you can't get a deal as a disc jockey, you may want to work as a janitor first. And then while you're in there, you're talking to people and you're letting them know that you actually have these skills that they didn't know you have. And then you'll have an opportunity to display those skills that you have. And, you know, you'll be surprised the opportunities that will open up to you once you, you know, take a lesser role to get to a higher position. It, it, it's that's super important. And I, I really love how it's so important in your story in particular, because there's there's a lot of people who will look at that and be like, well, if I can't, you know, be the lead actor in this, I'm not going to be anything. Um, but you never know who's going to be in that room. You never know who's going to, you know, the smallest aspect. And even, you know, uh, struggling musicians that are out there and be like, well, I'm not going to go to this open mic because, like, they're not going to pay me to play. And they're only giving me two songs. That could be the most important two songs of your life. Because you don't know if, for example, and, and we see it out here a lot more now that Westville Bowl's there. but you know, one of the open mics, uh, Sudan Tedeschi and Derek Trucks was in there because they were playing um, at the Westville Bowl. You know, you got exposed to musicians that already have deals, um, you know, and if they can come up and compliment you or maybe they know somebody or in, in any other type of level, maybe they have their own label. You know, the smallest thing you do, do it as if you are playing Madison Square Garden, period, because that's the energy that you want representing who you are as a brand. Now, how have you gone from musician, artist, actor to a brand? And what is it like being 
a human brand? It's a great question. Well, in high school, I didn't really take anything serious. You know, I was really good at acting. My acting instructors always said I was really good at acting and screenwriting and things like that. But um, I guess I never took myself as serious as I should have. I actually got a scholarship to Juilliard, but um, being a knucklehead, I lost that because I wanted to be in the streets. But, um, you know, I guess what happened was I started to mature. You know, as I got mm -hmm. older, I started to realize, you know, certain avenues that I weren't able to take, those bridges were burnt. So I started to build new bridges and started to realize how important it was to keep relationships with certain people, um, business-wise and other. And it just went from making music really passionately and working with certain people that I never, you know, even thought I would be able to work with. And from there, uh, you know, just having more confidence in myself, but also realizing that I had other avenues I can take to get to certain places. So music wasn't wasn't my it, at one point in my mind, I thought it was my be all like mm -hmm. just music. But realizing that um, I wasn't as good as music as some other people were. So it allowed me to humble myself and say, all right, well, if I can't do music to the level of maybe my peers or other musicians that are super popular, then I'm going to draw these musicians, right? Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to make art that's associated with music and still be in that field, but just take another path to it. So that's right. that's essentially what ended up happening was I realized that I was able to uh, create visually uh, almost at the same level or, or slightly better than I was able to create, um, you know, with words. And I used that to expand my, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess just to broaden my horizons, I guess you would right. say, and just reach, expand, have a, a large reach. reach. Yes, yeah. expand yeah. my reach. And that's essentially what happened. No, and, and that's that's super, super important because, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, look, Bruce Willis was a phenomenal actor. He's going through some things that he's going through right now. But he also has a pretty decent record out um, that people, a lot of people don't know about. Johnny Depp is a phenomenal musician, but he's also, you know, acting was where things wound up for him. Keanu Reeves. You know, all of these other people, they, they, it's there already. Um, uh, and they just found other avenues where it's still in the creative aspect. So they're still feeding their creative soul, but it's also some place where they're going to be more financially stable. Um, and that's, that's something that's huge, especially dealing with the creative thing. I always tell everyone who's on our show, if you are making a living off of uh, being a creative, you've already succeeded. I know you don't have your MTV, you know, Cribs house, but you're doing what you love and you're paying the bills for it. That's the success that, that, that we all need to, to look for and celebrate. And I love the fact that that is where you're at. Now, what brought you back to Elm City? What brought me back to Elm City was, um, well, I was, I was dating a girl in Philadelphia. Um, things got a little more serious. I brought her back to Connecticut with me. Um, and we, we got a place together, but then, you know, things didn't work out. So she went back to Philly and I stayed here. That's essentially how that, that happened, you know? Okay. Well, right. well, hey, every, uh, every story, right. We, we saw Goodwill hunting and had to go, go see about a girl. Right. Um, you know, Absolutely. so that, 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 that is life in, in some of the most, uh, in, incredible aspects. Now you've been in a couple of different scenes in the creative aspect of it comparative wise um can you have your type of you know your new haven hustle or the hustle that helped grow, get, grow you and nurture you can, does that apply in philly did you have to tweak your game a little bit did you you know and then from philly did it also apply in new york and every other spot in which you touch that's a great question um yeah i did have to apply in philly but i actually had to step it up a bit because philly's actually you know it's a much bigger city than new haven um, but it's not as big as New York. So I like to mm -hmm. say that Philly was a, to me, it was like a, a combination of New York and New Haven put together. So mm -hmm. I was able to maneuver and get around the city quite easily. Um, you know, in New York, it was something that you, you can easily get lost in New York. But in Philly, not so much, you know, like a lot, 
there's a lot of one ways in New Haven. Same thing mm-hmm. in Philly. He's not, you're not really going to get lost. You're either going uptown or downtown when you're in Philly. Yeah. So um, as far as that, I did have to put a lot of, a lot of hustle in because um, in, in Philly, it was a sink or swim thing for me because I went out mm-hmm. there with no family, no friends, no money. And I was like, I'm going to do something big out here. I got to do something. So I was shooting with my camera. I was drawing. I was reaching out to companies saying, hey, can I do a banner for you? Can I do a flyer for you? Can I do your logo over? I was doing auditions for um, different reality shows and things like that that were coming up. And uh, eventually I just uh, I got in contact with, well, the girl I was dating at the time. She had a friend who was doing um, promotional modeling. And they were looking for brand ambassadors for a particular company. I, f- I forgot which company it was now, but um, she was like, um, if you apply, use me as a reference, and which I did. And that actually led me into working with so many different brands, you know, Unilever, Eureka Bread, um, Mountain Dew, Cutstown University, uh, Chips Ahoy, so many Swedish fish. I was working with so many major brands after that. And um, I kind of ran with that. And when I came back to Connecticut, the opportunity wasn't as big. So I had to go to New York to do some of the same work I was doing in Philly, which, um, which, which worked out for, for quite some time. And Mm -hmm. I I stopped doing the brand ambassador work after about seven or eight years. Mm -hmm. um, Once the pandemic hit and I started, I went back to a W2 job. And mm-hmm. I've been, you know, I've been in the W-2 world for about, about two or three years now. And then mm-hmm. I went went back into being creative by doing, you know, AI, artwork and photography. And that's that's where mm-hmm. I'm at right now with it. Now, see, again, you you you, ju- you jump ahead. I love it. You know what I'm going to ask before I ask it. It seems like we are in sync. I love that. So um, I was going to bring up the, the whole AI because this is a huge debating point in the creative world, especially when dealing with creative going for monetary. Um, AI is one of the reasons why we have the writer's strike, uh, the SAG writer's strike going on, why some of the actors are about to join the the SAG writer's strike. You know, I know there are musicians that are terrified that AI is going to write a better song than you. Um, And I know that there are, are, you know, um, artists that are also really terrified about, about that. But what I look at it as, it's another art form. You know, if you don't want the computer to write a better song than you, then write a better song. I'm sorry, I am that artist. Um, you know, if you don't want them to, to, to make a better picture than you, then make a better picture, make a better painting. You know, be better, push harder, be your best self. Don't get complacent. You just want to get to a spot and just chill and, and cruise control and you're worried about the computer coming and taking your cruise control. You got complacent, man. Complacency is death. So agree with that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm sure I'm gonna get a lot of hate mail. All that hate mail can be addressed to, to prestige directly because I don't care. Um, but honestly, how is it treating AI as the art form and the new art medium that is out there? Because you have to do a lot of programming, like there's a lot more than just typing in a couple of words to create AI. So what is that experience like? The experience on WNHH LP 103.5 FM New Haven, myself, Prestige, and my partner in crime, Long Island Raids, Elm City Made, EZ Blues is in the building. Darrell, hold, all you, well, well, sorry hold, about hold that. Hold on, hold on one second. I'm going to call you Hennessy for the rest of the episode because that was smooth. I appreciate that. Thank you. But okay, now go ahead, Darrell. It's Daryl, by the way, guys. Daryl, I apologize. Daryl, Daryl, Daryl. Sorry about that. Uh, oh, it's, it's all good. If it's easier for you, you, could just call me Styles or just say D. You know what I mean? It's all good. Styles or D. Yeah, I'm, I might switch back to D. All right. Um, so, yeah. So, just to piggyback on what you said, I definitely agree with you on that. Definitely push harder. If, if, that's, if that's the avenue you want to go and you feel threatened by it, do better. Um, also, if, if you can't do better, then... You know, if you can't beat them, join them. So then you should learn how to create AI um, work yourself or learn how to program the AI to do the work. So that's another avenue that I would suggest people take. It's like if you if you're afraid that the work the AI, the AI is going to do better work than you, then learn how to program AI to do work. That way mm-hmm. you're still being creative. You're still, you know, 
using your creative abilities to do something in which, you know, in turn, the AI will use what you taught it, you know, to make work. So there's still avenues mm -hmm. around that. So I will say that. Well, as far as creating the AI work itself, there's that's the two avenues you can do. You can either program AI, you can learn to code and create an AI system in which you can train it to make work, or you can just use a, an already created software to engineer prompts for the AI to take on and create the visuals. So that's what I do. You know, I mm -hmm. use um, a couple of different mediums, Mid Journey being one of them, one of my major go-tos. And, you know, it is just that. It's telling the AI what you want it to create and being specific enough to where it can come close, if not exactly, to what you want it to be. So you, you want to give it the aspect ratios. You want to give it the color scheme. You want to give it the style. You want to give it, you know, um, if you want it to be anime, if you want it to be photorealistic, hyperrealism, you want to tell it everything you want to do um, specifically enough to where it can actually do that. And mm -hmm. it takes some time because it, it never gets it right. I like to say that AI is like a really, really smart five-year-old. Mm. So where it, it's, it's really smart, but then it's not going to do it exactly how you say it. So you got to mm -hmm. like keep playing with it a little bit, but um, it's fun though. No, see, I, I love that aspect. And, and kind of, I want to throw something on the other side of that, the argument too. You know, um, we've all seen Secret Invasion. Um, there's a rumor that that intro is all done through AI. Um, yeah. and, and here's the thing. I don't necessarily care, but if you're going to do that and this big company is going to invest that money into AI, it better be mind-blowing. And to me, it wasn't that mind-blowing. I've seen it done in like a million and a half James Bond films since, you know, the beginning. It was nothing new. It was nothing super captivating. So how... Do we as the independent artists try to make sure we're keeping big business and the bigger artists aspects in check? How can we do that? We're on the ground floor. Teach us, Obi-Wan. Work with it. You know, don't work against it because it's, you really can't stop it from happening. Technology is advancing at a speed that humans cannot keep up with. So it's like man versus machine, but machine is getting like extremely more powerful than you can imagine. So why fight against that? You're like really going to die fighting against it. And if there is someone who can compete against it, it's not going to be many of us that can compete against it. So instead of fighting against it, work with it, you know, learn it, learn it, work with it and make it a part of whatever you got going on creatively. You know, it's not something to be afraid of. To me, it's like, the mathematician before calculators is like, oh, my God, there's calculators now. You guys aren't really doing the work. The machine is doing the work for you. But the machine is getting the work done efficiently and more accurately than you because you can make mistakes. Not to say that AI can't make mistakes, but it's like, why be upset with something if we all use, if you use Google Maps, you use AI. You right. know, if you use Siri, you use AI. You know, if, if you're using right. a Google Assistant and things right. like this, that's all AI. So I don't know why right. people are so upset about people using AI to create artwork because you use it anyway and you're going to continue using it as time goes on. And, and, and I love that. And, and also there comes that aspect. I remember um, in the late 90s, yes, don't worry, I'm dating prestige, it's fine. Um, but in the late 90s, um, David Bowie, there was this huge in explosion of like techno music and using computers and stuff to make music more. And David Bowie was asked, um, you know, does he feel threatened? And he goes, no, because at the end of the day, you can be as digital as you want. Someone's going to want to go home and touch something that's wood. So you just make sure you create that really good wood and they'll come back to you. They're always going to want to hear an acoustic guitar, no matter how much processing is on things or AI has written things and sounds have been, you know, made and they've turned teardrops into the rhythm. That's awesome. And people are going to love it, but they're still going to want to go home and put on that Jim Croce record where it's just the voice and the guitar because the song is that good. You know, we still need that human connection. And, you know, and that's one of the, the, the biggest aspects in there. But you have to actively engage in that human connection. You can't sit back and complain that there's no human connection when you're sitting on your screen, on your phone, everywhere you're going and you're not talking to people, you're not actually engaging in that aspect. Now, with the other stuff in which you're doing, 
Um, do you see yourself going back to doing um, some of like the brand ambassador work or are you going to stick in the, just the AI vein? Uh, well, it depends. If I got a really good offer, then yeah. And if it's in line with what I'm doing currently, then yeah, I would. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to seek out any companies at the moment. Now, also, like when dealing with any type of brand ambassador or being a brand right now, you know, obviously we've already talked about the AI aspect of it, but social media has a huge um, form in, in what is entertainment right now. What does your social media get? What is your social media game like? Are you like huge on TikTok? You know, have you even tried TikTok? Are you like, you want to know something? I'm just going to make awesome art. That's a good question. Well, as far as TikTok, TikTok, I only put my AI work on. I got a decent following up there, probably like um, 1,500, 1,600, something like that for followers. And all I do is post AI artwork there. As far as um, other social medias, um, Facebook, I pretty much promote everything that I got going on there. I wrote a book and I put that out in February. So that's pinned on my profile on Facebook. Anytime I do like a new event or I created something new. I posted on Facebook. And as far as Instagram, all the photography stuff and visual art stuff I do, I put on my my uh, Instagram page. And then I have a personal Instagram page as well. Just uh, do you have a pen and a piece of paper? Because this is where the free balling of ideas comes. Um, and I just going to tell you right now, one of the most incredible things you should try is doing like your visual art as, as the visual um, and maybe your reading from your book as the sound, or you have some of your older music as the background aspect in there. So now if this thing becomes viral, now more people have heard that book, maybe they're gonna do that research. Maybe that one line is really dope or they hear that song and now that song registers as a stream, you know, or someone's going to uh, Shazam while someone's li listening to uh, your TikTok. And now you've got a Shazam that then they're gonna go do the research, maybe play your record on, on a streaming aspect. There's other avenues, you you know, where you're using the whole thing. And that 1500, that's, that's amazing. But as you continue to move forward, you'll see that grow and grow more. And as you do that, considering your career has been so multifaceted, it does seem social media looks at the spot where you can use every facet because you can read the chapters of your book and you have an acting ability. So you can voice act. And now if someone's listening to you read, now you might get a voice acting uh, game. See what I'm saying? So there's just something you might want to take a look at. Um, we can, you know, Prestige will give you my, my contact information. We can have conversations. Um, I have no problem helping out, dude, you know. Uh, here's the thing. Make a million dollars, I want 10%. If not, whatever, buy me a sandwich. You know what I mean? Like, it's cool. So we, we go, you know. Um, as you are moving forward and continuing to, to push through, what is that next level for you? Where Where is this next resting point where you can sit back and go, you want to know something? I did this. Well, for that, that last statement you said, you know why I did, I did this? One of my proudest moments is being able to work with a company called Sleetus Records out of France. Me and my boy PA, shout to Paranormal Adam from the Coalition. We did a song with Sleetus Records, um, Z Reach and Tomahawk, shout to them. It's called Can't Sleep. And um, mm. that was the first time I was able to work internationally. And um, I'm proud of that work because I was able to go somewhere sonically without being there physically. So that, that mm. was pretty dope. But as far as where I am right now, um, I'm really happy with doing photography and videography. I've been able to work with a lot more artists in, in the industry, you know, way I was able, I'm able to uh, get connections and network with people in a way that I wasn't able to when I was actually making music. So I'm really proud and happy about that. So right now I'm happy where I am creating visual art and doing photography and video. So I'm going to sit here for a little bit. You, I had this, this just blows my mind. I did not put together, you, you know, PA, you know, the all, all, how do we not know each other? I blame Preston. Prestige. Why did we? Why is this the first time we're sitting down and having a conversation? I feel like there's so many opportunities we could have built upon beforehand. Better now than never. <laughs> oh, you son of a gun! <laughs> oh, so hey, Styles, what does uh, sheer brilliance mean to you, it, personally as an artist? 
Sure, brilliance. Um, I've had a really lot of fun creating that project. Um, I was able to speak from a part, a place in my heart and mind that um, I never really expressed before. So it was actually my first and only official project that I put together, me and Fireman, shouts to him. Mm -hmm. And um, he did most of the beats. Um, also, my cousin E. Black, he did a couple of the tracks up there too, shouts to him. And Congo did um, the beat for No License, which is, you know, one of my favorite songs that I was able to create too. Um, so sure brilliance to me just... You know, it, it's a it came from a place from my heart. You know, it was really fun to create and um, I was able mm -hmm. to express things. It, it was it was just really, really fun, creative project to work on. You know, he, uh, Fireman's a great guy to work with. He makes great music. He um, he's still doing beats and doing DJing right now, too. So I appreciate his creative abilities. And um, yeah, it was just a fun time. We recorded everything at um, Ivy League Studios, downtown New Haven. So mm -hmm. shouts to Dre. Uh, yeah, it was it was a great time. I, I'm I'm proud of that work. Do you feel like what you're doing, um, just pretty much like your whole career, um, just as an artist, as a creator, is work? Is it does it feel good to get up every day? Yeah, I love getting up every day. I mean, um, oh. I have a new reason to get up every day now because I have a daughter and she's eight months right. now, and you know she mm -hmm. changed my life. You know, so you know my 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 will to succeed or be creative or go out and do things is has changed because of her but um yeah i, I definitely I, I love life and i want to be able to show her things and uh be able to see how she creates as she gets older too easy feels the same way he has three babies <laughs> they're not babies no more he's like, always oh, the baby see you that's the thing yeah you know, like eight months, I was like, oh, I remember those times. That's when they did meet you out of house and home. Yeah, no, it's it's great. I, I, I have I have twin 13-year-olds and a 16-year-old. Um, Yeah, there's not a lot of food in my house. Because when it's here, it's it's kind of like, like when the paycheck hits on Friday and the bills come out on Saturday. And on Sunday, you're like, I was going to do something this weekend. Uh, That's like what it's like. You're like, oh, I'm going grocery shopping. I got all this really cool stuff. And then, like, you put it away, and then you turn around, and it's gone, um, you know? So my suggestion for you, um, get a hiding spot where there's just snacks for you. Mm. And just lock it away. Don't tell nobody else. It's just you. Put it away. This way for your own mental health and sanity of being a parent, I believe. Um, yeah, they're called emotional support snacks. There's the kids who I'm, I'm already ahead of you. I'm already ahead of you. I had to do that for my wife, you know, just because she <laughs> she takes all my snacks and all the juices and stuff like that. So I told her already. I said, either I'm going to put a lock on the fridge or I'm going to get my own personal fridge. So, okay. All right. Good. Smart That's my man. confirmation. I appreciate that, Easy. No problem. I'm just, just looking out for you, man. It, it's super important, but it's also really incredible to watch. You know, I get us all the time and you'll see it more and more. People find out like you're, you're a father or you're a parent in this industry. They're like, oh, how do you manage both lives? Um, and I'm like one of the few people is like, uh, there isn't two lives. I'm the same person that I get up in the morning, my kids see the same human being, you know, and if that means they have to come to the recording studio, then they've got to be well behaved enough to be at the recording studio. And they have to, you know, be on that point to be at the recording studio or be, you know, at a gig they're not just at the gig they're helping with loading you know you're going to be here i'm paying for you to be at this show homie <laughs> you're gonna put some work in um <laughs> just just the realness of it it's been that way forever <laughs> um you know when 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 my twins were seven they were bringing my guitar into shows because you know it's important and one of them was working the merch booth um we didn't make I'm any money because he couldn't count he couldn't count we didn't make any money but he was adorable yep. Um, you know, he gave away a lot of free shirts to, to, to women. Um, there's a problem with that already. Yeah. Uh, but it's okay. It's okay. It's awesome though. <laughs> now, as you are going on the parenting journey and, and it is a beautiful thing, how are you going to facilitate creativity, but by also holding on to the, the strict responsibility you have to hold on to as a parent? I, I think, um, like you said, it's it's not that hard because I just 
take her with me, you know, let her see mm -hmm. me in action. Like um, yesterday I was in Hartford. I was shooting uh, for a vegan cookout in Hartford on Main Street. And um, I'm there with the Ronin, got the camera and she's with me. Me and my wife, we're all there together. She's jamming to the music. She's watching me shoot. And just that, you know, just bringing her around, showing her what I do. And, uh, you know, when, eventually when she's able to hold a camera, let her shoot, too. Mm. I, I think that's awesome. And also, I want to just point out how amazing we have evolved, like, as a culture, that there are these amazing vegan cookouts when at some point in time <laughs> people would just be like, oh, a garden. You had a garden. That's what a vegan. But no, you, there's these incredible right. recipes and, and you can do all this amazing things because people are adapting and adjusting the same way we need to adapt and adjust to this new AI revolution that is out there. If you want proof that we can do it, this man just shot a vegan cookout. That's proof that we can evolve and, and we can move forward. So yeah, hey, high five for not even knowing. No, definitely high five. Hey, Styles, was there any food where you couldn't tell the difference between vegetable and meat at the cookout? Yeah, um, shouts to restaurant. My boy Mike and his um his wife opened up a shop, a, a restaurant, I think about two years ago, and they were there. Mm -hmm. And the line was from the entrance to the stand. And um, oh my god, me and my wife tried the orange ginger chicken and mm -hmm. smack and cheese. The yeah. the chicken was mind blowing. Like to, I've been <laughs> vegan for a long time. I stopped eating meat when I was seventeen. And okay. a lot of a lot of the textures don't really equate to meat, but the right. orange chicken was mind blowing. Like I did not expect wow. it to have that consistency or flavor. I, mm -hmm. I, I knew it was going to be good because I, I, I took his word for it. But yeah, when course. I actually tried it, though, I was like, yo, this is incredible. I was going to go get another <laughs> plate, but the line was just too long. So but um, I will be I visiting imagine. the restaurant real soon in person. Oh, man, it's exciting <laughs> and scary. <laughs> right? yeah. it, it really is. It really is. It really is. Um, you have a lot of plethora of actually uh, an incredible uh resume styles. Um, I, I see uh French Montana, I see Mano, I see Tech Nine. Um, from all these successful uh people and musicians, um, who's the most that you learn? Uh, which is the most valuable lesson you learn from one of these celebrities that you encounter with within your journey as a creator? Most valuable lesson I've learned. Yeah. Hmm. Surround yourself with people that believe in you. Um, right. Surround yourself with people that can push you to the next level. And, um, you know, the people who are more um, established than you, who have greater successes than you, listen to them and take their advice. That's that's the biggest thing I've learned. See, I, Learn I, I think that... Hello? Sorry. But Hello. I, I, I just want, hi, how are you? Sorry, I don't mean to jump on this, but I, I want to kind of go back and forth on, on, on that answer there for a second, too. And I'll, and I'll let you continue on WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven, myself, Prestige, and my partner in crime, who is going to speak the gospel. His name is Easy Blues. Go right ahead, sir. <laughs> I don't know about the gospel, but yes, reading from the book of Easy. Um, <laughs> you know, I've learned more from the negatives that I have gotten from working with established artists than I've ever learned from anyone who's actually given me advice. Um, you know, I've learned what not to do. Um, and you have to really know when not to listen, you know, like you can have incredible conversations and, you know, grow with anybody and expect to hear some of the biggest nuggets of wisdom from the person you never thought you were going to hear it from, you know, whether that be, you know, bizarre from D12 or actually the, you know, the, the, guy who's driving them around all of everyone's point of view is, is super important um what was the the biggest you learned from them making a mistake above you what was that biggest lesson making a mistake above me um I, I i don't know about making a mistake but i will tell you about two recent times that um didn't really go my way and and, and i did learn something from it so one thing was I I was working with Fuego Bass. He's a rapper based out of Hartford. He just got shot, uh, signed to, not just got signed, but he signed to Black Soprano Family. Shouts to Bang the Butcher. Mm -hmm. Shouts to all them mm -hmm. out there. And um, 
So he had an event at Dreams Nightclub in Hartford, and he was scheduled. Well, his road manager told me that he was scheduled to go on, um, you know, 745 or something like that. But the place actually closed at 8. So it was 18 and up until 8 o'clock and then 21 and up at 10 to 2. So we got there about 740 and they're like, you can't come in. And we got 100 or more people. You right. know, and they're like, you you guys can't come in. We're closing in 15 minutes. And um, I was scheduled to be at the studio at six o'clock. And mm-hmm. he showed up at around 7.20, 7.30, getting ready. Then we head over to be at the place at 7.45. Right. And now they're like, come back at 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm not hanging around longer because it took me an hour to drive to Hartford. It's going to take me an hour to drive mm-hmm. back. And I waited two hours to do this. So I'm already looking at four hours of not wasted time, but time in which I don't have any more to give you. I got to get back home to right. my daughter. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I learned, I learned that in this, in this industry, nobody's ever really on time. A lot of times it's always going to be, a, you have to have a day where you don't have anything to do. You have to just have mm-hmm. a lot of time to be spent. But if you're being paid by the hour, I guess it's not really a bad thing, but if you yeah. have other things to do, then it could, it could be a monkey wrench. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing I, I, I learned was that I, I was shooting for Dice Peso at um, Webster Theater, and there was a lot of, you know, shouts to Dice Peso, shouts to Millie's. Millie's was headlining that night. Um, and there was other photographers and videographers there, and they all were established, right? So I'm I'm really new in the game, you know, as far as photography and stuff like that. No one knows who I am, right? So there's two other cameras and they're posing and talking to the cameras and this, that, and third, this, that, and the third. And then I'm waiting for someone to look into my camera to say something. Mm-hmm. And I got ignored. Right. Mm. Because they don't respect my lens. No one knows who I am. So who's going to, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So I learned, I was humbled at that point in time. I was like, well, I got to work harder. I got to do more. Mm-hmm. I got to make sure that my name is known next time I put my camera in somebody's face so that they can, you know, respect my lens. So that was um that was a definitely a pivotal moment in uh my career right now as a photographer, videographer. Now that's that's actually a huge point too. And 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 I love that you uh actually took it the way it should have should have been taken, you know, because a lot of people would could could be heartbroken at that aspect and kind of give give up. But this is the point where you're like, okay, this is where I have to refocus. So they know to speak directly into my camera. You know, uh, this is I talk about this with uh, a lot of the musical acts that are starting out. You know, I have no problem paying for, you know, promo photos. I have no problem, you know, and making sure all the watermarks are where they're supposed to be. But it's the amount that I'm going to pay has to be worth the investment. You know, if you are a phenomenal photographer that doesn't put anything out there and has no social media footprint or anything like that, it's not worth it to me. You know, I want that photographer who's going to create an incredible piece of art, be so proud of it. They're going to want to put it on their wall, too. So now my brand is on their wall and their brand is on mine. This is where it becomes a mutually beneficial relationship. And this is how an entire scene grows. You know, I talk about it all the time. We talk about it here on the show. We do not want to be the boat that rises. We want to be the tide that rises all boats. You know, so you constantly have to go back and forth. You know, it's plain and simple. We should be doing photo shoots, you know, all, with everyone that's in the band wearing a different local band's t-shirt so that that's all going through. This is how we grow as a community. You know, different hip-hop artists having other hip-hop artists on there. Hip-hop artists having rock musicians uh, merch on them, on them during their photo shoots. These are the things that move forward. These are the things that continue to grow. This seems like the perfect avenue for you in particular but have you really branched into that aspect? It's something we talked about initially with uh, with the TikTok and stuff as well, but where you're now multi-layering it now, where say maybe you decide to launch a clothing line as well. And now you're for all of the photos that you are taking, you're in your brand. You know, is that is that where you're headed? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm actually putting together some t-shirts at this very moment. I have a um I have a Etsy that's connected to my Printify where I'm putting my logo and my name on some t-shirts and hoodies that where I'm going to wear to the events while I'm shooting. So they can see that and, and recognize me as that brand. And then if somebody wanted a couple of t-shirts, I can, you know, 
give some away for free or, you know, maybe have a table at a certain event, something like that. Maybe put together a photo booth. So, yeah, that's that's definitely on the horizon right now. Um, we will talk also off of line because we, we can find you a uh, actual um, one for one uh, printer where okay. uh, it, it's it's more more like a licensing deal than it would be. But you're going to be paying the cost for the make anyway, um, okay. you know, and this way you don't have to deal with the physical inventory. Um, so or the customer service. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk. OK, hmm. sounds good to me. <laughs> oh come on, Christine. You know me, man. I'm all about that. I'm gonna hook up everybody and anybody any way that I can. Um not mad at you. <laughs> I appreciate you, bro. Yeah, I appreciate you mm -hmm. so much. Um so what's what can we hear next? Like where where are we going to see you next? Um, next event, what's today's date? The 10th. The 10th. Uh, let me just double check my calendar real quick. What's there next? Okay. So next, uh, August 14th, I'll be at um, the cellar in Hamden for Coogee Rap and Pace One. Mm -hmm. uh, July 28th, um, I'm going to be with Fuego Base in Boston, Mass. Da -da -da. And then uh, September 2nd to the 3rd, I'll be at the Made in America Festival in Philly. Um, September 16th, I'll be at Vegandale for Rick Ross, Styles P, and Coily Ray. And uh, also in September, I'll be shooting for Cortez in Brooklyn. That's uh, September 23rd. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's what I got so far right now. Well, well, hold on, hold on. Let, let's, as as they say in the game, let's let, let's wind that back for a couple minutes because you just brought out some incredibleness that the world did not know or has not been paying attention to, and I really want to hammer that home. Did you mm -hmm. say Cool G Rap is going to be playing at the cellar on Treadwell in Hamden in August in one of my favorite venues with some of the best owners that are out there and the best damn chicken sandwich? You order the Huggy Bear when you get there because it's that damn good. But you're telling me Cool G Rap is coming to Hamden at this amazingly intimate setting that you're never going to have the opportunity to see this ever again. That's happening yeah. in August and you're going to be there. Yeah. August 14th at 3 PM. It's, um, you know, you know, it's the 50th year for hip hop awareness. It's a mental health event. So yes, yeah, it's, it's going to be in the daytime, but yeah, he's going to be there. Him and pace one PA is actually on the list of um, performing artists as well. So yeah, I'll be there shooting it up. And, and that's that is incredible because it's actually full blast uh, booking. They do the tour for life. This is part of the tour for life. And they always finish back in CT because that's where full blast started. Um, and it's just really awesome that we're able that people are able to bring this type of show and this type of talent to an incredible club um, for an amazing reason. Plus, you get to eat the huggy bear. I know you're vegan. You're not going to want to eat the huggy bear. But I'm telling you, you want the huggy bear. It's chicken and bacon and the honey mustard. It's mm, so good, but you know, it's fine. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I think that that's awesome. And I'm so glad you're, that you're going to be there. And now we are starting to wrap up and they are pulling the, the Apollo curtain on us right now. So we want to give these last couple of moments just for you. Feel free to promote everything that you've got going. Um, how can people get in contact with you? How can they build with you, man? It has been an honor and a privilege. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's an honor to be here. Um, yeah, you can reach me on social media. I'm on Facebook, Daryl Infinite Styles Dawson. Um, and on my Instagram, you can reach me at The Infinite Styles, all one word, T-H-E-I-N-F-I-N-I-T-E-S-T-Y-L-E-S. -E -E and everything that's on, on my Instagram is everything I'm doing as far as music, uh, you know, photography, videography, and uh, the visual art aspect. And uh, yeah, that's that's how you can reach me. My TikTok is I am Daryl Digital, or one word, and that's also my personal IG page. I am Daryl Digital. So on IG, if you want to see some uh, health related fitness stuff, that's my personal page. If you want to see more artwork on TikTok, that's I am Daryl Digital. And like I said, photography, the Infinite Styles, and everything else on Facebook, Daryl Infinite Styles Dawson. Awesome. Styles, thank you so much for being a part of the program, man. We appreciate you. Yeah, man, I appreciate you having me here. Definitely. Absolutely.
This has been behind the brand, myself, Prestige, and my partner in crime, Long Island Raids, Elm City Made, EZ Blues is in the building. Take care, Styles. Thank you again. Appreciate you. Oh, man. Have a good one, y'all. Wondering what to write about, trying to figure out what it's all about. Excellentialist, am I worth anything or just a scout? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Spending time all alone, sending my songs to the phone Dreaming of a better home, we while focused on trying to hone This craft, witchcraft, I hope the brujas let this last you